Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to What's in a Name, the podcast all about what names mean and how they came to be. I am Anna. I am James. And today we have a guest for the first time, which is very exciting. Uh, to introduce yourself, please. Hello, I'm Katie. I go by ZZ Fotsy on Twitter for absolutely no reason. And I am also a word nerd. <laughs> you are! I'm so excited about this because I noticed some of your tweets on the subject and thought... <gasps> That's a mark right there. We need to get her. <laughs> oh, exactly. I can't quite figure out when it started. I went to a very posh school, as you may be able to tell by my voice. I can't do anything about that, unfortunately. But I did ancient Greek and Latin GCSEs. Whoa. Oh, that's living the dream. I was so awful at it. I had no idea what was going on with the grammar. I only did the ancient Greek one because I thought we might be talking about Greek myths and I was the, a kind of Greek mythology child. You know, the kind that just oh, sure. you know, yeah reads the books over and over. But they're all the children's mm-hmm. ones that censor out all the, you know, sexual assault with swans. <laughs> the fun bits. But yeah, yeah. so I did those languages. Oh, and even though I was absolutely terrible at them, I loved sort of figuring out the roots of words that we use now. And I always found that so fascinating and then for years since, every so often I'll just Google etymology of so-and-so and then just go on a huge wiki wonder. And then when I first found out about Proto-Indo-European, it blew my tiny mind. And yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I really like systems and making things make sense and have order. And the idea that you can sort of track every word back into like this little proto-word where everything originated from is just very pleasing to me. Absolutely. I love that. I've got to be honest, I did want to learn Latin at GCSE as well. I was told no, in no uncertain terms, because I didn't go to that kind of school. Yeah, I had the same experience. <laughs> I tried to learn, I tried to get our um, tutors to teach us Latin and they offered us Spanish instead. Yeah, they decided French would be more useful. Uh, I had to do German as well, which I was also incredibly bad at. But then I also decided to do, to do Japanese just off my own back and did GCSE in that basically because I could and nobody quite wanted to tell me no. <laughs> well, I can imagine. I wouldn't want to say no to you on any matter. <laughs> I was very small and serious and bespectacled. Truly a fearsome Aww. sight. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons I wanted to get you in for this episode in particular is that you've got a fair amount of animal expertise. Um, thus far, just having me and James on the podcast, we've set quite a low bar for expertise. <laughs> um, that's good. The bar is going to remain low. I will limbo <laughs> under it. 
I've, I've worked at a veterinary clinic for the last five odd years. Um, mm-hmm. I'm mostly just desk staff, so I'm not actually a vet. Some people think I am. Please, please don't think that. Nobody think that. I'm not qualified. <laughs> but I just, I do see a lot of dogs and cats. Ah, oh, that is so cool. Because yeah, today's theme is dog breeds. Again, it's something that we use all the time, we hear all the time, and I have never given any serious thought to or put under any kind of scrutiny. So I love identifying a blind spot like that, and that's why I want to dig into that today. Um, Is it okay if I get us started? I think someone should, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, certainly someone should. Um, I wanted to start with a Chinese breed called the Chow Chow. Um, the Chinese call it Song Shi Quan or Puffy Lion Dog, which is a much better name, <laughs> let's be honest, than Chow Chow. And the reason we call it that is because Chow Chow was a nonsense pidgin English word that entered our language in the 1700s that we used to apply to anything from China. Oh no, it's racist. It's deeply racist. We just call anything from China Chow Chow because that's the noise they make, right? Because we're terrible <laughs> bastards and that remains true. Um, but yeah, when the when the dogs were first introduced to Great Britain in the 1880s, they were called Chow Chow too. Ching Chong the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm not comfortable with this. Without wanting to go for spoilers, that is one that I've picked for renaming. <laughs> no offense, everybody. That that's one I'm going to take another run at, and we'll see if we can do better. So is that is that related in any way to the word Chow, as in food? Yes, so there are a couple of alternate theories on how the Chow Chow got its name. Another alternative is that Chow is Chinese slang for edible, or Cha slash Chow, spelled C-H-A or C-H-A-O, meaning dog of great strength, apparently. I find it hard to believe (laughs) that one word can mean dog of great strength, but then I don't have the Chinese knowledge necessary to refute that. Chow Chows also do not exactly scream great strength, do they? I seem to recall they're quite small and fluffy. Oh, they're quite big. They're, adorable. they're actually, but really, they're just big, puffy bears. They're big and, dogs. and fluffy. Okay, there you go. Dog expertise. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's a couple of other names for the for the Chow Chow, including in Chinese, um, they've got wolf dog or bear dog. So you're quite close with the description there. Thick, chunky, fluffy, ridiculous dogs. Wolf dog feels fairly redundant, doesn't it? Kind of, kind of. Aren't all dogs wolf dogs? But the reason they call it that is because it's a really old breed that seems to have maybe not naturally evolved from the wolves in the area, but certainly there's a direct lineage there, rather than most breeds that originated in Europe but came about in the past 500 years through very selective breeding. They're all horribly inbred. <laughs> it's it's yeah. great. It's fine. <laughs> It's another one of those ones where if you look at photos of the breed from the 1930s, they're radically different to how they look now. Yeah, because they actually look like they can walk. (laughs) And breathe, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I think I might have to try and rename the French Bulldog at the end of this because it's it's just a horrible little Frankenstein's creature of maladies. (laughs) Oh my word. They can't help it, but they're just not with everything wrong with them. Right, absolutely. We will we will get to that in a bit. Um, if you'd like to know, go next, Katie. What's your uh, what's your first breed you want to get into? So I went through a lot of them because I just like to overdo everything. I think one of my <laughs> favourites so far was Bichon Frise, or in the Ooh. French Bichon Frisé, or to actually use the actual French word for it, Bichon à poil frisé. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm just going really pretentious. Well, it sounds beautiful. <laughs> 
frise just means curly, which is fair enough because I don't know if you've seen a bichon frise, but they're just little white curly dogs, kind of like poodles, but the hair is more just like a cloud around them, and they look a little Aww. bit like teddy bears. They're very cute if you, if you like that sort of thing. But so that's the that just means curly, and that makes sense. But then the first as half, in frizzy, presumably exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. But yeah, so the Bichon part of the name, it's one of those ones where nobody's quite sure where it came about from, but there's a couple of different um, origins. So it's known that it came from either Bichon or it was a shortening of another word, Barbichon. And so Barbichon comes from Barb or Barb. That sounds exactly the same, but one of those was French, meaning beard, <laughs> or possibly also from Barbiche, which means little beard, which is actually a goatee. So that's one of the origins. <laughs> so it was the curly goatee dog. But if you go down the other route, it came from bichon, which in turn comes from the old French biche, which just means bitch. Um, but then they put oh. on, on the end of it to make it little bitch. So when you come down to it, the bichon frise is the little curly bearded bitch. Amazing. Oh, that's so beautiful. Dog breeds not doing a lot to um, distinguish themselves in terms of being polite so far. <laughs> no, not a tremendous amount of politeness. It sounds wonderful when you get to the end, but along the way, we go via <laughs> barbers and hairdressers to get to a little curly bitch. Thank you so much for that, Katie. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's quite all right. I discovered this and I was like, this is beautiful. Delightful. <laughs> Incredible. All right, James, what have you got for us? Um, okay, I'm going to start with the St. Bernard. Have either of you looked into that yeah. one? I haven't, no. Okay, so as you might imagine, it is named after an actual St. Bernard um, who was born uh, circa the year 1020 in Arles, uh, in what would later become France. Okay. He was a monk who established a hospice in um, the Alps, and sort of looked after travellers. And in the 1600s, shortly after he was canonised, um, they they introduced this breed of working dog uh, who who were used to, you know, find and rescue people who had been lost in the mountains. Sure. Um, and they have remained in that hospice pretty much ever since. Oh, cool. They have more recently, within the last sort of 30, 40 years... They they are only kept there as pets now because, you know, GPS has taken over the, the job that they used to do. But they are still sure. there and they have been there for many hundreds of years. Oh, that's so good. I've actually been to the museum, um, the, like the St. Bernard Origin Museum, and it's lovely. There's just these enormous lazy dogs lying around everywhere on the floor, just chilling <laughs> out. And they're huge. They're, you can't <laughs> so get a sense of it in they photos. They are massive. They're just enormous. They are. They look just too big. Like somebody accidentally <laughs> scaled them up a little bit more than they should have done. <laughs> They're at one hundred and ten percent. They have so much slobber, though. One came in at work once, and he was only a puppy, <laughs> ten months old. And after he was gone, I had to clean drool five foot up the walls because he'd, oh sh he'd shaken his head at one point. They just flown everywhere. <laughs> So yeah, they are gorgeous, but they're also disgusting at the same time, just like many things in life. <laughs> so true, so true. I, I didn't grow up with dogs, so I've got to be honest, the gorgeous but disgusting thing is always ringing true for me, for most hounds. They're such wonderful creatures, but there's so much spit. 
I really like that, James. I really like that. Thanks for that. It's just a yeah, just a small story. It doesn't really relate to any other words, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. I have to be honest. I'd never had any idea where the name came from. So um, come with the American pronunciation to us somehow. Yeah, I mean, I I did wonder about that. I was like, would I call it a Saint Bernard or a Saint Bernard? And I I went with the latter, possibly yeah. just because of the film Beethoven. I say film, <laughs> the entire like expansive documentary. Ten, yeah. <laughs> the 10 film uh, Beethoven cinematic universe series <laughs> oh my god we should spin that out there's got to be other <laughs> franchise opportunities there <laughs> alright well if you're happy for me to go for round 2 mm-hmm. uh, while I was on a bit of a Chinese dog kick I also looked into the Shih Tzu so Shih Tzu is uh, derived from the Chinese name for the dogs which translates as lion um, I've also read that it can mean little lion or lion dog, but I think it is just lion. Um, because, you know, they don't actually look anything like lions. They have these tiny compact faces and quite long hair, but they do look quite a lot like how Chinese artists traditionally draw lions. Mm. They've got that sort of um, dragony lion face with the very squat nose and everything, which is very cool. Um, they were nicknamed the chrysanthemum dog in England in the 1930s, which I really love. It's a great name for it. Um, and it's also sometimes called the Tibetan lion dog, uh, because the origin, whether it's Chinese or Tibetan, is disputed quite a lot. <laughs> it's not the only thing about China and Tibet that's disputed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dog's not highest on the list, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they're also known as Zixi Quan, is what they're actually called in China. Um, and that's named after Zixi, a beautiful woman in Chinese, um, I, don't, I can't work out if it's history or mythology, but Zixi is like a, an archetypal beautiful woman. So they've gotten quite a good name there. They've gotten a good reputation out of it. Okay, so she's like the Helen of Troy of China. Yes, very much so. Um, she was said to be so beautiful that when she looked into a pond, the fish forgot to swim and drowned. It does seem harsh on the fish, and I can't think why they would be so into humans, but you know, everyone's got their thing, <laughs> haven't they? All right, that's all I've got for that. Um, who wants to take next? So I've okay. got a very short Dutch one that's quite cute. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a weird deep dive into the origin of Mastiff. Oh, lovely. I did a little bit of digging on Mastiff myself, so I know there's some good stuff there. And again, it's one of those ones where there's competing theories for the origin of the word. And so one of them is just really simple. The idea is that it came from the Anglo-Saxon Masti, which means powerful. And so Masti, Mastiff, big powerful dog, Mm -hmm. end of. And then the other origin is more interesting to me. So I'm going to go with it. So it's from (laughs) the old French Mastin. Or modern, which is equivalent to the modern French matin, apparently, for what it's worth, which is in turn taken from the vulgar Latin mansuetinus, which which is equivalent to the classical Latin mansuetus, and that means tame. If you break down mansuetus even more, you get manus, meaning hand, and suesco, meaning to become accustomed to. So to become tame is to become accustomed to the hand. And then I went even further down the line and I looked into um, Suesco, which is to become accustomed to, because I thought that's a really specific concept. Like, how did that get into the language? What was the origin of that? And it turns out we get to go back to my favourite (laughs) Proto-Indo-European. And there is an unpronounceable word 
which is something like Suede, which nobody's going to correct me on that because nobody was around at that time. And so then that comes from, and again, you know, it's Proto-Indo-European, so it's all reconstructed. But the idea is that it comes from Sue, which is the self, and then De, which is to put place or set. So it's to become accustomed to is to sort of put oneself or to place oneself. And then I went on another dive and I went looking at what words in modern English come from sweat, meaning self. And so you get stuff like swain, because self at some point becomes young man and then a young man becomes oh. a swain. And then you get stuff yeah. like, you know, bosun, coxswain. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it goes to proto-Germanic swine as, meaning relative or young man. So it's, you know, someone of the self. So son as well. Actually, yeah, I don't know if son comes directly from there or if it has another origin. Because normally I'd have assumed that quite simple concepts like man, woman, tree, sun, fire would have like mm. direct sort of lines back to proto-Indo-European. But yeah, the problem was I had so many breeds I wanted to look into. And then with each one, I'm like, I'm going to go all the way back to the earliest possible phoneme of this. And I love that you did that. Later. I love that you did that. I got as far as Mansuetus and didn't go any further back. Oh, no, it's my problem. I just decided to go on deep dives about absolutely everything with, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. I, yeah, with paying no attention to, you know, time passing or other things I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> Well, you can come again. <laughs> but yeah, I did find tame a really interesting definition because to me that's basically saying domesticated, which again has the problem of that could apply to all dogs. But I suppose with the really old uh, breed names, they probably were the only kind of dog in the area. Yeah, because I was looking back into some of the original dog breeds and there was one which was called the Molossus, which was like this um, ancient Roman yes. fighting dog. And it's kind right. of mythical and the breed doesn't exist anymore. And Mastiffs mm. are sort of assumed to be the closest modern incarnation of that. But I do find the idea oh. of extinct breeds very interesting and sort of, you know. Isn't it? Yeah. I would think it's probably easier to recreate an extinct breed of dog than any other extinct species. Okay. Um, all right, James, over to you. So I was looking into uh, dog words. So I was looking, what's the origin of dog? It comes from an old English word, uh, which is docker, which is D-O-C-G-A. Yeah. Um, just referred to a a specific type of dog. No one's really sure what the origin of that word is unknown. It just sort of turns up in Middle English and becomes, you know, passes into common usage. Not much of an interesting story there. So I thought, what about canine? <laughs> just comes from canis, meaning dog in Latin. <laughs> Seems to come pretty much fully formed from that point. Um, again, there's some Proto-Indo-European uh, background to it. But basically, canines have all, always been called canines. And obviously that that got applied to the canine teeth as well. Oh, yeah. So I eventually, I looked at puppy. And this, this is the one, Anna, before the episode, I messaged you and said, I've just found a really good one. Mm -hmm. Puppy is the one that I found. Okay. The word puppy comes from an old French word, uh, poupée, which meant doll or plaything. Ah, as in <laughs> like puppet. Exactly, as in puppet, yeah. Puppet is the diminutive form of poupée. It was poupette originally. The the sort of affectionate term poppet also comes from that root. Mm -hmm. um, and that word also can be tracked back to um, two Latin words, pupa and pupus, which meant little girl and little boy respectively. 
Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if pupate comes from that. It absolutely does, yeah. God, I love words. (laughs) So... I'll go with Corgi next, just quickly. They are very old breeds, but um, it's a Welsh name. I live in Wales myself, so I've got a local interest in that. It's where, it's Welsh for dwarf dog. You've got cor, which means dwarf, and ci, ci, which means dog. Um, it, I looked into it to see if it was linked to cur at all. It genuinely doesn't seem to be. There was a legend that... Um... <laughs> says that the reason corgis are small is because they were ridden by fairies, but they were given to humans uh, as a token of gratitude for a human who fixed uh, a fairy's carriage. (laughs) So I just, I like the idea that corgis uh, have a whimsical background like that. Oh, there's a corgi that comes into work called Mr. Stevens, and I love him. Mr. Stevens! That's so good! (laughs) You will address me by my full name. The thing I find odd about corgis is that they were bred for herding cattle. Really? Yeah. Huh. I find it very hard to to figure out what the logic was there. That's very peculiar. Yeah, because I'm thinking of other dwarf dogs like the Dachshund, and they're mostly bred to, you know, go into burrows and get into low places and flush stuff out. Yeah. You know, I, I thought about maybe looking into German Shepherd, but I got distracted by the fact that it's funny that a dog can have the same job description as a human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who that's demeaning for, if I'm honest. They were called Alsatians for so long. No. It was just because after World War Two, people didn't like German things. And so yeah. they just started calling them Alsatians after the Alsace region of, I think it's in France. Um, but then, mm-hmm. you know, people have kind of got over that nowadays and they're back to calling them German Shepherd dogs again. But the same thing oh, happened good. with the American Eskimo dog, which is not American or Eskimo or Inuit. It was actually, I think, called something like the German Spitz. But then when it was imported to America, but when they brought them to America, they didn't want to call them anything with German in the name because they didn't want to put people off. And the first kennels that actually hosted the first samples of the dog in the USA Mm -hmm. was called the American Eskimo Kennels. And so they just started calling it the American Eskimo Dog. Oh, so they named it after that. Okay. Because there is a breed of dog. There is a breed of dog already named after um, Eskimo which obviously we'd call them Inuits now, but um, Husky is derived from that. Husky came from Esky, which came from Eskimo. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. Um, Let's see, where did we get to? I've completely lost track of the the thread. Okay, I think based on you saying cur at the end of the corgi one, I'm going to go on my next deep dive, which is about some of the alternate words for dog, because what I liked about cur is that it comes from the, I think it's Old Norse, kur, which is... I don't know why I'm rolling the R on that. It just felt right. But that's (laughs) K-U-R-R. And it means grumbling. And I love it because that is so onomatopoeic. Meaning grumbling. And so that becomes, (laughs) in Middle English, cur dog. And then that becomes cur. And then I was also looking into mutt. And mutt, as in, you know, a standard mixed breed dog, comes from muttonhead. As in meathead. As in the insult muttonhead. And so for a while you'd call a stupid dog a mutton head and then a mutt and then that just sort of gradually evolved into being the general word for a dog that's not pedigree. Oh, bless them. Oh, did anyone look into mongrel at all? I did. Mm. So mongrel comes from mingle or among, which is Old English gemung, ah. proto-Germanic ah. mangen to need, and then proto-Indo-European again, mag, which is to need, fashion or fit. And then this bit I had no idea of. 
It's, so you're taking the root, which is mung, as in among, and then adding mm-hmm. rel, which is actually a derogatory diminutive suffix. So, oh. yeah, so stuff like wastrel or dogrel, all of these things with rel oh at my the God. end. It's actually Amazing. a little yeah, derogatory suffix at the end. I've just found a new way to insult people. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you the so much. The specificity of having a diminutive derogatory suffix for when it's not just enough to you know just be derogatory. You've also got to make them feel small. We are a group of a group of podcastrels. <laughs> we are indeed. <laughs> to our great shame. <laughs> That's very good. And the last one I've got is poodle. Um, poodles come from Germany, where they were called, and I'm going to try very hard to get the pronunciation right, because I did consult our German correspondent, Danny, on this one. They were called Pudelhund, which meant something like, um, splashing dog or puddle dog, because poodles were used to hunt waterfowl. Okay. So that's a good one. I like the idea of them being a puddle dog. Is that everything we've got on the real dogs? Ooh, actually, I've got one more tiny one. Which is just the ah, breed called Skipperkey, which I might be pronouncing that wrong, Dutch breed, but it turns out to just mean little boatman. And that is the sweetest oh. thing I've ever heard. Oh, that is precious. <laughs> yeah, because the skipper part <laughs> is from skipper, as in like the captain of the boat, which then comes from um, a Midlow German skip, which just means ship. And then the key end is just like saying a little one. So little boatman. Oh, that is adorable. I know. I'll need to look those up afterwards. <laughs> Okay, right, that's fantastic. That's all we've got for that section. I do want to touch on uh, our segment of not corrections, but what we've learned since last time, because we're constantly developing our knowledge here. Um, In our previous episode on diseases, we did talk briefly about coronavirus, understandably a very hot subject right now. So we did have someone come through with a bit more detail. Um, Michael Jones on Twitter, who tweets from at M underscore Jones ACC clarified that the virus that causes COVID-19 is called Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, or SARS-CoV-2. We previously said that it was 2019-NCOV, but that was a provisional designation, apparently. So that's the formal name of the virus, is SARS-CoV-2. And that's according to the International Committee on Taxonomy of Viruses, so they ought to know. Yep, and if that means if you meet it in the street, you must address it by its full name. You do, you say it three times, and that causes it to go away. <laughs> and doff your cap. <laughs> yes, I'm retreating fully into superstition, I don't know how else to handle this. <laughs> <laughs> doff your face mask to it. Exactly, exactly. What could come, what could come of that? Nothing. <laughs> so, uh, with that out of the way, we're going to move on to our our third and final section, which is called James. <laughs> it's called any other names yes it is <laughs> fantastic so this is where we either rename existing breeds of dog or invent new breeds i'm very interested to know which we went with katie sort of both and neither i've got a couple Ooh, of words that i've come up with for just like general categories of dog that i see a lot at work <laughs> So excellent. The area I live in is really middle class, and so we get a lot of what I've just referred to for ages as curly dogs. So all the kind of poodle crosses or bichon frise mm-hmm. crosses. So you know, cavapoo, cockapoo, multipoo, schnoodle, oh, <laughs> chipoo. That's another one. Um, cavoodle. No, I've already said that. That's the same thing as a cavapoo. 
or there's loads that are also crossed with cotton de tulia and other things and it's it's a nightmare there's too many of them the other day we had <laughs> i kid you not a cockapouchon come in which is a cavalier poodle bichon anyway so there's too many of them i can't be bothered to keep up they all kind of just <laughs> cat, uh, they're all mixed breeds anyway they're not formalized breeds where they've you know had lines and they've bred the same breed to the same breed over and over they're, most yeah. of them are you know, F1s. They've got one parent of one breed, one parent of a different breed. So they're not actually really a formalised breed. So um, I've just been calling them curly dogs, which is not very creative or inventive. So then I decided to have a little dig around in some languages. And I found that the Latin for curly is crispan. And so I just like the idea Ooh. of calling them crispans. Or possibly crispes. Or maybe even crispies. I'm not quite sure, but something along those <laughs> lines. And I'd just that like to popularise that so I never have to say cockapooshon again. <laughs> <laughs> I wholeheartedly approve. I really do. Thank you for that. That's good work. Owners get so angry if you don't use the full breed name. And it's just like, <laughs> really? I'm sitting here, I mean, they did, a human they being. They did pay a lot for that dog, presumably. So. Oh, God, yeah. Way too much. And all... heaven, heaven forfend, you don't recognise its pedigree. I like that. I like that a lot. James, what have you got for us? Um, so I was thinking of uh, breeds that you could combine <laughs> to come up with um, boutique dog breeds um, okay. that don't exist. So I figure this will be helpful for breeders because they can make a lot of money uh, shilling these horrible mutants um, <laughs> with their short life sc- lifespan and uh, numerous health problems. So obviously, um, for anyone unfamiliar with this idea, you can have a Labrador and a Poodle to make a Labradoodle. Mm-hmm. Um, I am proposing that you cross a Great Dane and a Dalmatian to get a Great Dalmatian. Okay. Which would be really Cute. massive and black and white. Yep. Nice. Okay. Um, I, lo- I was mostly looking at breeds you could blend. Um, so <laughs> I was looking at Chihuahua and Husky to get Chihuahua Husky. Okay. Which I imagine would live in Mexico, uh, probably have not a lot of of fur, and uh, I mean, it can't pull sleds, right? So what would it pull instead? Um, Probably bags of cocaine. (laughs) Okay. Um, And also I was remembering uh, a joke from Dumb and Dumber where they mentioned crossing uh, a bulldog and a shih tzu to create a bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> that is good that's a good joke um so the ones that i went for i did i did visit cockapoo because i just hate the name of that breed <laughs> it really annoys me it's atrocious so i looked into why they were called that um cocker spaniels hunt woodcocks poodles hunt waterfowl so i decided that if you cross the land and the sea find the midpoint they would hunt seagulls i'm convinced cockapoos hunt seagulls so i think we should call them gullers or gullhounds Sounds good to me. Anything that gets rid of that twee bullshit cockapoo. <laughs> yeah. Although I like Katie's approach more. I think just calling them all curly dogs is probably the way to go. <laughs> I've just um, run out the... of mental bandwidth for all the different crosses they're coming up with. <laughs> yes. But if yes, I remember I any more of them, I'll understand. start forgetting my family's birthdays. There's little room in this brain. <laughs> <laughs> there is one, actually, one I want to bring to the table that I propose we rename I'm mm-hmm. not sure how we should rename it. So in in the UK, we have a breed called an Old English Bulldog, which mm-hmm. is fine. Like that that name makes sense to me. In America, they have a breed 
which is of a very similar name and appearance, but is like in terms of the kennel club taxonomy or whatever mm-hmm. is distinct. It's an old English bulldog, except they have added an E onto the word old and uh, bulldog oh, is spelled no. B-U-L-L-D-O-G-G-E. No. Yes. An oldie English An oldie bulldog-y. English bulldogger. <laughs> oh, that's dreadful. What? The, like, I, I have nothing against the dog, but that is a crime against all linguistics. I'm not happy with that at all. No. Yeah. I'm not sure what we can rename that to, but I think it deserves to be renamed. New American Bulldog. New American just, Bulldog sounds a lot better. They can just better. live with the choices they've made. <laughs> Take yeah. responsibility, goddammit. <laughs> yes. You took your independence. We're, <laughs> we're keeping our names. Um, the other one that I wanted to rename was the Chow Chow, as we've discussed. We didn't cover ourselves in glory on that one. Um, just making noises that we feel like Chinese people make. Um, so instead, I thought we'd follow along the lines of uh, the Shih Tzu. Because you know I said the Shih Tzu is also called the Chrysanthemum Dog. Mm-hmm. I quite like the idea of naming dogs after flowers. So because <laughs> the other name for the Chow Chow is Puffy Lion Dog, I think we should call it a Dandelion Dog. Oh my goodness, absolutely. <laughs> they look like a dandelion It just clock. works, That's right? perfect. Yeah. So yes, dandelion dogs, um, chrysanthemum dogs. I think we can eventually work it so that they're all flowers, but for now we'll start with those. <laughs> Did you have any other dogs to rename for us, Katie? I do. Well, one of them, again, this is another category of dog type thing. And mm-hmm. I have, let me just preface this with saying I've got nothing against little dogs and toy breeds. Nothing against them at all, but a lot of the ones you see, the people got these little handbag dogs and they don't really think of it as like an animal that needs training and guidance and boundaries right. and enrichment and that. They just sort of see it mm-hmm. as a little toy. And so a lot of them end up with just really shit personalities. Like the only dogs <laughs> I tend to get worried about the aggression levels of are like Pomeranians, Chihuahuas, that kind of thing. Big dogs, absolutely fine. I'll just stick my head in their mouth. You know, I trust them not to bite me. <laughs> But little dogs, I will just like avoid like the plague until I know explicitly that they're friendly. Mm. And so um, in my head, I've just been calling them little shitty dogs, which again, like <laughs> curly dogs, is not that creative a descriptor. <laughs> Quite and accurate so, though. Now that I know about the rel ending being both derogatory and diminutive, I've decided mm-hmm. to start calling them baggerel. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because they're <laughs> shitty little handbag dogs. Again, it's not about the dog in yep. question, it's about how the owners raised them, but they're still shitty yes. dogs at the end of the day because of how the humans yes. raised them. Yeah. <laughs> Baggerel. I, I like, like that. <laughs> okay, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for all of that. I think that's all we've got on the word front. My name is Anna. You can find me on Twitter at BootsMagoot. Uh, my name is James. You can find me on Twitter at, at James Hunt. My name is Katie. You can find me on Twitter at ZZFotsi. That's Z-I-Z-I-F-O-T-H-S-I. I I can't remember why I came up with this in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) I love knowing that it has no backstory. We cannot do etymology on your username. (laughs) I think I made stuff when I was about 14. And it's just, it's never taken on any website. So I have to keep using it. That's it. Yeah, you want that exclusivity. I'm with you on that. That's why I was thiefery for so long. Nobody else uh, wants this name. I alone must bear it. <laughs> Queen of the wasteland. It's why I don't have my own name as my email address. Aw, sad but true. <laughs> um, we can change your name, we'll be fine. 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm getting well off road here. Um, we have a joint podcast Twitter account at W I A N Podcast, Wyan Podcast, where we post episode links, word related nonsense, anything that uh, seems relevant to our interests. So, thank you so much for joining us. Take care, and we will speak to you next week. Bye. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.